Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Well, I want to start out the service just a little bit different. As we were in worship, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me um, as we um, wrap up this summer season. But I just want to remind you guys, next week we'll be back to two services, 9.30 and 11.15. So those of you who if somebody else has taken your seat, you can get it back. We understand that. But as we prepare for what God's going to be doing, we believe this next season is a season of great harvest. I believe that this is the greatest season we are ever going to see and is going to be the greatest harvest of souls we have ever seen. This morning, as we were in worship, I just felt like I, I don't know if you realize how blessed we are to be in the presence of God. The presence of God is something that we should never take for granted. And I don't know if many of you went up for prayer, but I just felt like if you have been praying for something for a long time and you have not yet seen God move on your behalf, whether it's a healing, whether it's like a physical thing or whether it's a relationship thing, I wanna take just a moment and I want you to stand because we're gonna agree in prayer because we believe that God wants to move in your heart and life today. So if that's you this morning, by faith, I want you to stand. There's a lot of us this morning need to have, okay, this is awesome. Because God was speaking to me as we were worshiping. He's moving on your behalf. You can't see it yet, but God is moving on your behalf. You may not be able to see all of the things around you and wonder how God's going to do it. But God says this morning, I am working on your behalf. I am working on your behalf. So in the middle of it all, your job is to lift up your eyes and to praise him. To praise him when you can't see it. To praise him because he's worthy. And God's coming through for you today. So I want you, if you're beside somebody, I just want you to stretch your hands out towards him. And we as a church family are going to pray out loud for everybody that's standing this morning. So Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are a God. You are the same God that you were 2,000 years ago. And you're a God of signs, miracles, and wonders. And this morning, we pray for every person who needs a physical touch, God. In the name of Jesus, you are healed in Jesus' name. Every back issue, every cancer that is trying to destroy somebody's life is broken in the name of Jesus. And I declare this morning health, wholeness, and healing over every person who's believing for it today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody shouted, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I know that's a little bit different than we normally start, but I really felt God's presence really speaking to me about that. And Richie and I have been talking over the last month about how we want to see the Holy Spirit really take hold of our services in a more powerful way by just hearing him during the service and following his lead. So that's what I I just wanted to let you know. That's kind of what we're doing in that moment. But we believe that, that, that our tongue has the power of life and death. And this morning, I want to encourage you to speak life. So we're going to just stand one more time and we're going to declare what God's word says. 
God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and active in me. And now because of what Christ has done, I'm highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. Lord, it is life. And this morning, I pray that all who choose to hear and receive, our hearts will be transformed by your word. And I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Um, the message that I have prepared for today is something that I have been meditating and thinking about for actually probably a couple of months. So it's been on my heart. I've been thinking about it. And I had to actually convince myself that I believed what I was going to be speaking today. So the first time I spoke through it a few days ago after I prepared it, I honestly cried through a bunch of it. I was like, okay, wait, I got to get through this because I got to practice this several times because it was so touching my own heart that I knew I needed to get through it a few times so I could communicate it in a way that hopefully you guys can really receive it this morning and understand that I'm going to be talking with a lot of passion, but it's because it's what I really believe God wants to say to us today. And so the title of my message today is, it's time to get your fight back. It's time to get your fight back. And you say, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. What, am I in a fight? <laughs> you are in a fight. See, we're not fighting flesh and blood, but we're fighting principalities and powers in our life. And in case you are not aware, you are not on a cruise ship today in your Christian walk. You are in a war. You are in an army. And you are on a battlefield. And we need to understand that the enemy loves to come in and he loves to bring discouragement, disappointment, and he wants to disillusion us because he wants to take us out of the fight. That's his purpose. He understands our authority probably better than we understand our authority. He understands who we are in Christ probably better than you understand who you are in Christ. He understands the potential in every single one of you better than you and I can even understand that. So what he does is he wants to thwart the plan and he wants of God in your life and he wants to get you out of your race. Why? Because he wants you to be null and void in the kingdom of God. But that's not the destiny for your life today. Your destiny is to fight the fight of faith, and it is to finish the race and not give up. So this morning I'm going to read out of, I have several scriptures, but this is 2 Timothy chapter 4, and it's several verses, 6 through 8. So uh, let's just read this together. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Are you longing for the appearing 
of our Savior. See, we are called to fight the good fight of faith. And if you got to listen to this because it is not how you start, church. It, it, it matters how you start, but let me tell you what really matters. It's all about the finish line. How are you going to finish your race? How are you going to finish your race? See, it's, it's not about how good you are in the first leg of the race, and that's important, but we are not in a marathon. We are in a relay race. And I believe we are going to pass the baton to the next generation. Whether that's our children, whether it's our spiritual children, whether that's the people in our lives that we're mentoring and leading, we are not, we do not need to bow out of the race because the person behind us needs us to complete our race. When I was in middle school and I was in high school, part of high school, um, I was a really fast runner. Actually, I guess I probably could still be if I really worked at it. But, um, and I had to decide later on in life, like in high school, whether I wanted to sing or run. And there was really no option on that. It was, I was going to sing, not run. Um, but I was always put on the one mile relay race. And that's a sprint, but it's a long sprint. And it's like the worst, hardest race of a sprinter, I think. Um, And they would always put me on the last leg of that race. And so I was thinking about this because, you know, like I was watching everybody who was on, on my team that was in that race. I would watch the first person and I was standing there watching them and I was cheering them on as they were running their race. And then the second person would take the baton and they would run their race and we're like, come on, you can do this. You can do this. The third person would take it and they would run and I would be watching every step they were taking because I was getting myself prepared for what was coming. And so I would position myself and get myself ready to take the baton and I was watching every step that they were taking. As they were running, I was going, okay, come on, give it to me, give it to me. And I would take the baton and run as fast as I could. And the people that were around me, the people that were on the field that were cheering me on, you know what, it actually propelled me. It propelled me to run faster. It propelled me. And most of the time, I really don't remember ever not winning. I mean, it's possible, but we always won that race. And it reminded me, it reminded me, you know, if I run this race, if I were to have gotten the baton and I would have said, you know what, I think I'm only going to run part of this race. And then I think I'm just going to go sit over here on the sideline. I'm just going to run part of it. And then I just walked over to my team. They would look at me, first of all, like I was crazy. And why? Because we would have been disqualified. See, you get disqualified in races when you bow out of the race. You have got to finish. And that's what Paul is saying. I am finishing my race well. He said, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And in Hebrews, I love this scripture because this is the scripture I was picturing in my mind. Hebrews 12.1. And we sang it in one of the songs, Homecoming. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Oh yeah, that's everybody who's gone before you. Every, every family member, all the angels, there's a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with what? Perseverance. The race that's marked out for us. You have a race that's marked out for you. Nobody else can run your race, but you have a race that's marked out for you. See, and some people believe that when you come to Jesus, everything is going to be perfect and it's going to be easy. Jesus, you know, it's crazy because um, they think everything's going to be perfect and rosy and we're just going to tiptoe through the, uh, you know, tulips and nothing bad ever happens. And this is not scriptural. Jesus says, if you join in my suffering, you're also going to revel in my glory. So there's no tiptoeing through the tulips in this fight of faith. I mean, there's blessings and there is prosperity and there's all the good things that God has done for us and we get to appropriate those things for our life, the inheritance that was given to us because of the cross. And sometimes in this fight of faith, though, we get weary. Sometimes in this fight of faith, we get discouraged. And sometimes we want to go bow out of the race. I know that I have many times get weary. I think, you know what? I've done my part. I'm going to take it easy now. And then I wonder, man, is my time for ministry up? Am I, can I even still do what I'm doing? Do I still have what it takes to pastor well and to give what I need to give to make it do a good job? And when current culture goes against so much of what I have I tried to live my life by, God's word and the truth of his word, the promises of his word, and it's what I've dedicated my life to since I was a little girl, serving in the kingdom of God and imparting these truths over the years. And it's an honor to be called for such a time as this, but it is not easy. You see, we live in a world today where right is wrong and wrong is right. And you can get tired and battle weary in this fight. You know what I'm talking about, right? And see, the enemy wants us to be fearful of speaking truth. You have to be so careful of everything you say, because even in church, you might offend somebody for speaking the truth of God's word. God's word is still God's word. And until I breathe my last breath on earth, and with every breath that is left in my lungs, I am going to declare the truth of God's word. I'm deeply committed to sharing the truth even when it's hard. I'm never going to give up on God's word. I pray by the grace of God that I will never give up on God's word because it is the only true source of life. Culture around us is telling you so differently. And he's never given up on me. God's never given up on me. And I don't want to give up on him. And whether we're in a, maybe you might be in a place of strength today, or maybe you're running on empty. I want to remind you today that God is not done with you. And you need to know why it's important to fight this fight of faith. It is the good fight of faith to finish the race and to keep the faith. You see so many people around us, you see so many people falling off, right? Not believing anymore. And some days I know it just feels like a little bit too much, but I know it's the enemy. You have to understand and know who it is. It's the enemy crouching at your door saying, get out of the race. He's telling me that. 
Come on, just get out of the race. But I'm here to encourage you today. Get your fight back. Just like a coach would say, get your fight back. You can do it. You've got a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on, saying you can do it. It's worth it. I promise you, when you get to glory, you're going to be so thankful you finished your race. In this next season, I believe it is going to be the greatest season of harvest we have ever seen. And we need to put our hand to the plow and not look back. Because the enemy has tried to take out the church. You know, 2019, the enemy tried to take me and Richie out personally. And I am going to tell you what it felt like. It felt like somebody got me on the ground and just punched the crap out of me. That's what it felt like. It felt like every ounce of energy. I, I could barely pick myself up. Do you know I had to will myself to get back up, to stand back up, to pull my shoulders back, put my head up and go, I'm not going to give you an inch. You cannot have my family. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my church. Then 2020 hit with the pandemic and the whole big C church, what we call that. It felt like, as we've talked to so many pastors, it just felt like the whole church got hit with a baseball bat in the head. And in 2021, that the church is still like just seeing stars and you're trying to figure out like, how do we, how do we still keep letting the gospel go forward? How do we get people back in church? How do we keep people from falling off and losing their faith? And then 2022, as we're in right now, it's been a time, I believe for us personally, a time of refocusing and rebuilding. And like Pastor Richie last week talked about, Nehemiah was building the church in Jerusalem and he had all kinds of opposition against him, trying to discourage him, saying things that weren't true about him. And if you remember the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple, it stopped for 16 years you understand that's exactly what the enemy wants to personally do in your life and in the church across the globe. He wants to stop the building of the kingdom of God. And I hear the Lord saying to us, get your fight back. I need you, I need you to go into the next, this next season armed and ready for battle. You've got to know God's word, my friends. Armed, ready for battle. That means you have to decide in your heart beforehand, you're ready for the fight. Some of you are like, I don't want to, that just sounds like seriously like, okay, you're wearing me out. You're already just like, I don't want this fight in my life, okay? And I understand that because I have had to literally talk to myself about this because the enemy will try to defeat you down so bad and beat you down so bad that you don't even want to stand back up. There's two men of God that I want to talk to you about in scripture. They were great men of God. And I don't believe that greatness makes you exempt from adversity, disappointment, or disillusionment. At, and at times, I, I think that we can feel guilty because we may feel those things. We can feel bewildered at times, sometimes overwhelmed. And I think we have to stop pretending that all is well all the time. I love that here in our church that we make it a safe space for people to be not okay. We don't want you to stay there. 
But we don't want you to deny that you're not okay. And you know why? Because it doesn't do you any good. Because you, you have to learn how to face your fear, face your disappointment. We need to be able to face where we are, we are at so we can deal with it. And if you just stuff it down, there's, that doesn't do any good. Just act like it's not there. It's going to come back in uglier, worse ways if you don't deal with it. And it's because God wants you to become an overcomer. And he wants you to know that you're more than a conqueror through him. So you need to understand that God is for you and he wants you to finish your race. Now, I'm going to read kind of a long passage of scripture, but just follow along and kind of don't get lost because this is really important. And I'm going to break it down for you here in just a second. But this is Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 1 and 19. It goes through 19. So um, I'm just going to read it from over here. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples and asked him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight. The lame are walking. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And I'm going to stop right there. Some versions say, blessed are those who are not offended by me. You know, the word of God can be offended, offensive sometimes. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? I, if not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born among women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, listen to this, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let him hear. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang the dirge and you did not mourn. Next. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he's a he has a demon. And the son of man came eating and drinking and they say he's a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. I think that's the end of that. Um, there's a lot in this scripture. I'm going to break it down in just the next few minutes, which I believe is a word of God for us today. Here we find John the Baptist. He's in prison and here he's the messenger from God. He's the one that, that God called in advance to him, to, for him to prepare the way for the Lord. And he is in prison. 
See, it was prophesied that he would be the messenger before Jesus would come and that he would make himself known before uh, Jesus and that he would prepare the way of the Lord. He was the forerunner. He's a man of great courage, a purpose, destiny. He's a man that's set apart. He's holy. And he's a, he's a man that most people would have thought are very random and very weird. Because he lived in the wilderness, he, he dressed in camel's hair, he ate locusts and honey, and he never ate anything unclean. He never touched any alcohol. He was set apart. And yet, people came in droves to see him. They didn't care where he was at. He was in the desert. They would walk to the desert, which apparently that takes a while to get there. Um, they made their way there. And because why? There was an anointing on his life to prepare the way of the Lord. This was not a weak man. This was not somebody who was swayed to the left or to the right, right? This was somebody who lived with conviction and he did exactly what he was purposed to do. And yet he finds himself right now in prison and guess what, he is questioning God. Hey guys, he tells his disciples, will you go and ask Jesus, are you sure you're the one? Or should we be looking for someone else? Are you sure you're the one? Or have you ever been in a place where you wonder where on earth are you, God? Where are you, God? I've done everything. I've tithed. I've served faithfully, I've worked for you, I've served for you, I've been a Christian my whole life, I've stayed, stayed set apart, I've stayed married and honored my wife or my husband, I've raised my kids in the ways of the Lord, and now it feels like I'm in a prison of circumstance, and I did not sign up for this. I did not sign up for this particular prison, and I'm following you, God. I didn't sign up for this when I followed you. Anybody feel that way sometimes? Yes. Why was John even put in prison? Because he was standing for righteousness. He was standing for truth. He said, no, 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 this union is not godly. And he addressed the spirit of the age at the time. He took a stand and he was put in prison and he was about to get his head chopped off. See, sometimes we use our Christianity for our own comfort. And we need to actually understand what we signed up for. If you signed up for Christianity as a cushy life, you signed up for the wrong thing. Because when we signed up, when I signed up to follow Jesus, it says to take up his cross and to follow him, whether it's easy or whether it's hard. And that means dying to your flesh and submitting your life to Christ and the Lordship of Jesus. Whatever he asks me, I say yes and amen. Sometimes it gets, takes a while for me to surrender to the yes and the amen, but hopefully we get there, right? And if that requires me to be chopped off at the head, then I should be okay with that. I'm not saying that we're all going to the guillotine, so, you know. But I am saying this, that you're going to have to die to a few things in your life. And even as I was preparing this message, God was showing me some things that I needed to die to. Because it's a journey and we learn all the time, God, what do I need to surrender to you? There's some of you who have habits, you need to let them go. There's some 
things that have got a hold on you and they are holding you captive and you don't even realize it. But God is speaking to you. If you will just open, let your ears hear him, he will tell you, he will speak to you so that you can live in freedom. See, there's going to be some things that you're going to have to stand up for in this season. And it's very possible you'll feel rejected, pushed out of the crowd. But you're going to have to stand for something. In this season of rejection where people don't even understand you, I want to ask you this. What is your faith at that point? What do you believe in? See, it's, it's all good when we're raising our hands in this beautiful facility and in an amazing time of worship, which was so beautiful this morning. But what about, are you still singing those songs when you're in the prison cells? You know? Or is it doom, despair, and agony on me? Whoa. You know what I mean? It can change just like that. And see, here John is having a crisis of faith, and he's, he's saying, is Jesus, is Jesus really who he says he is. Because John knew this in Isaiah. John already knew this. In Isaiah 61, he says, he releases the captives. He sets the prisoners free. The Lord's anointed him to preach the good news, and the Lord has anointed him to deliver those who are oppressed. And I think he was going, I think he was going to throw, you know, like John, he's like, I, th I thought Jesus was going to overthrow, like, the spirit of this age in the government, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he's like, here I am, and now I'm subjected to this, and I'm fixing to lose my head. So who is this Jesus that I have been preparing the way for? Imagine now he's in a season of transition. His work is done. His mission is complete, and God's, this is what I, I was like, you know, I'm such a compassionate person. I just want to go fix everybody and help everybody feel good, you know. But he's like, you know, he doesn't even go to John. He sends his disciples back. He doesn't even like go give him a little pep talk and encourage him. He doesn't. I mean, you know, John's in prison and Jesus could at least go visit him and say, okay, it's going to be okay. But no, he just sends his disciples back. He doesn't even do that. And he, he just says, go tell, go tell John, just go back and tell John everything that he prophesied, it's happening. Everything that he prophesied and declared, it's happening. The lame are walking. The blind are seeing. The people are being set free. You know, they're being raised from the dead. The sick are being healed. John, keep your focus. Don't bow out of the race now. Don't give up the fight now. And Jesus says, I'm going to affirm you. I'm going to affirm who you are. I'm going to tell everybody that you've been the greatest prophet there ever was. But yet the kingdom of God hasn't even seen what's about to be unleashed. Because it hadn't happened yet. Because Jesus hadn't experienced the resurrection power that you and I have experienced. John hasn't received the Holy Spirit that you and I have been able to receive. So even the least in the future kingdom is going to be greater than John the Baptist. And that is you and me. That's you and me. I hope you're encouraged by that. But that we get to be greater than John, but that means we also have to be willing to go low like John, right? And there are going to be times in your life where you're going to be put in a prison, and perhaps you're in that right now. 
perhaps the last few years, months, season has not been very kind to you. And perhaps you've done everything right, but everything went wrong. Maybe your marriage fell apart. Maybe your relationships were estranged. Maybe your job was lost. Maybe someone you love died and you weren't expecting them to die. Maybe there's been loss after loss after loss in your life and you're wondering, God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? I believe we're in a season of transition in the church. I believe it kind of was really kicked off in a major way. And in 2020, it was, which it was a great year of sifting in the church from the sheep and the goats. And I think it's gonna keep happening again and again until the Lord returns for his bride. But this is a season of sifting and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. You guys are seeing it across the board, whether it's ministries, whether it's, it's just people across the board. In the sifting and in the shaking, I wanna ask you, what do you believe? Because I know for me, when I went through that really, really hard season, and I'm not saying I'm not gonna have another hard season because I know seasons will come and seasons will go. But I had to decide what I believed. What do I believe? And I had to talk to myself over and over again and say, you know what? God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. God is not done with me until I'm dead. He's not done. So what do you believe when adversity comes to your door? What do you believe? See, the church was not ever man's idea. It's always been God's idea. And until Christ returns for his church, the church is gonna to continue to move forward and to do what it was designed to do, which is bring people to Christ. And here's what I really would like for you to hear. It is not okay to just come to church, sit in a comfy chair and to be blessed, hear a great worship, and a bit of the word and go home and nothing in your life changes the rest of the week. It is just not enough anymore. It is just not enough. See, we're gonna have to stand before God one day and we have to realize one, we are in a fight and it is a fight of faith and I wanna be able to stand like Paul before he transitioned into glory and he says, I have been poured out like a drink offering I've given it all, guys. I've lived for the cause of Christ, and I know I'm gonna be crowned with the crown of righteousness because I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And I don't care if my life ends in death because my job was only to bring the mission of Christ to the earth. And as I stand here today, what I really care about is people being set free and delivered, saved. It causes, it causes me to, if that causes me to lose my life, then that's just gonna be what it is. But I've been radically changed by the presence of God. And even in these last few days as I was preparing this message, God really met with me. I mean, he met with me in my home alone, Richie's out of town, he's on a motorcycle trip. And I mean, like, I've actually enjoyed a couple of days alone. I don't like, know if I should like say that, but it's been awesome. But I have been able to just get in the presence of God. It's so uninterrupted. And just let his presence fill my heart in a fresh way. And that's what we need. 
I want to encourage everyone. I want everyone to encounter the presence of God the way I have been able to. So I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to bow out of the race because I know who my God is in the times of adversity. And I think we go through these transitional times and there's always a question in a moment of where are you, God? And I think it's just not a bad thing because I think it recalibrates our hearts to go, what do I really believe when adversity comes to my house? Do I believe the truth of who God's word is or do I believe what the circumstances say in my life right now? My feelings and my emotions. See, you never know what you have in you until some type of adversity or suffering comes to your door. The true you, the true you, that's what comes out when, true, when pressure is applied. That's who you really are. Sometimes it's not too fun to look at, actually. <laughs> and we've got to understand that when the pressure comes, it's for our good. It's not always the enemy attacking us. It can be. But sometimes it's a litmus test to see where we are at with God. And God's wanting to see who we are on the inside. What are you made of when you're squeezed? When we have adversity come to our house, the Lord says, now I have you all by myself and I can see what's really in your heart. I think it's the greatest seasons of my life honestly have been the suffering seasons because they're my greatest seasons of growth and digging into God. It's never been the mountaintops, although I really wish it was. <laughs> um, it's not been the things that man calls success because that doesn't grow me. In fact, it can destroy me because who you are in the hidden, who you are with nothing, who you are in the suffering is who you need to be in abundance. When you are in plenty and when you're in the most successful seasons of your life. And I think it's why Jesus humbled himself and he made himself of no reputation. You know, like being the king of kings and lord of lords, he still had to go through suffering, right? And there's nothing that we go through that Christ himself has not already experienced. And this is where John was. He said, you know, you need to be in resolve. God is who he says he am. I'm doing exactly what you prophesied. What you said I would be doing. See, this is a key right here. Suffering and surrender are always a part of the process of something greater. Suffering and surrender are always a part of something greater. Those two things are always going to happen. It's always a part of the process. If greatness is in you, then get prepared because there's going to be some hard things coming to your life, but it's going to shape you and it's going to be your greatest gift. Pressure on the outside causes what's on the inside to come out. And it might be ugly, but we need to see what we are made of. And there's something in suffering so supernatural, so personal, and it's very private. But when you come out of that season, you are greater and you finish your fight well. So you look different, you act differently, you speak differently, you have a different relationship with God because he's grown you. Paul was like, take this thorn out of my flesh. You remember that? <laughs> and he's asking Jesus, please take this thorn out of my flesh. And Jesus replied, my grace is sufficient for you. He didn't relieve him of that, right? But he said, my grace is sufficient for you because the power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul says, well, okay then, because, you know, like, 
I'm just going to boast all the more than in my weakness so that you're going to get all the glory. See, sometimes I think we want to be perfectly ready, but I find that in the most vulnerable seasons of my life, if I allow God to take over my life, it's the most fruitful and the greatest season because I'm allowing Jesus to be seen and not myself. And we want him to be seen, right? And this is what the world needs is they need to see Jesus. So when the adversity comes, you know what? They're watching us, right? They're watching what comes out of your mouth. They're watching what you say to your family members. Children are listening to you. My grandkids are listening to me. Your curses or your blessings. They're listening to how you, they're listening to how you react when, to that a person who offended you. They're listening to how that person that doesn't agree with you, they're watching you how you respond to that. What you say closed, behind closed doors, they're watching. And trust me, our kids are watching everything that we do, everything. The world is listening and the world is watching. And how we respond reflects the glory of God when we respond in a godly way. So John the baptized, John the baptized, <laughs> I guess he was baptized, but John the Baptist, he was referred to as the Elijah that was to come, and he went through the same issue that John the Baptist did. He, you know, he had just slain all the prophets of Baal, if you remember that story, and he had just won his greatest ministry victory, and yet the Queen Jezebel, that Jezebel, she puts a bounty on his head and she says, I think I want, I want his head on the chopping block. Elijah runs for his life. He's intimidated. He's scared. He's exhausted. He's isolated. He's alone. And in the same moment that John the Baptist is having in prison, he's having that same moment. He's wondering, where are you, God? He's wondering, where is everybody around me? And do you ever feel that you're the only one going through something? Because that's what happens. The enemy loves to come in and whisper lies and make you feel isolated and make you think, you know, like that's why I feel like this pandemic was so bad because it was such a uh, demonic assignment to get us isolated and um, because, you know, distance creates distortion. And when we're away from people, we start having false imaginations, things that aren't right. And those things that are in us that comes to the core and God needs to like deal with it. So what did God do with Elijah? He ministered to him. He said, he fed him. He went, he said, go, go get some sleep, get some rest. I'm going to have my angels come to you. And this is what I love. He says, go back to where you came from. See, you can't bow out under this tree by this brook right now. You can't bow out right now. You can't bow out. You need to go back to where you came from. And what I need you to know is that you are not alone. You need to know that today. You're not alone. In fact, Jehu, he was saying um, he's going to take down Je Jezebel and, and there's going to be Elisha's going to be there. And uh, you're gonna, who you're going to need to pass the baton to. And in fact, there's going to be thousands of other prophets and men of God that I have reserved for you. And here he thought he was all alone. But you know what? There's always a remnant that God saves. And no one's going to take out the church. His purpose is always going to stand. And Elijah is not going to, he says, Elijah, don't bow out of the race. John, it's not time for you to bow out of the race. See, people are being saved. People are being set free. And everything, everybody's doing good. And I mean, like, you know, like, 
just don't, I just need you not to listen to the enemy right now. I need you to get your fight back. I need you to stand up. I need you to go back from where you came because you're gonna defy everything the enemy is trying to bring against you. You have to defy it yourself though. It's gonna take you getting up and going back. And some of you have just sat there so comfortable and you've binged on every Netflix show that you can find and God's saying it's time to get up. You know I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to myself really. <laughs> um, but it's time to get back to work. See, you're in a fight of faith and you wanna finish your race strong and well. So don't settle because Amarello needs you. Amarillo needs you. See, people at your workplace, they need you. Your colleges, uh, they need you. Our schools, they're gonna need you. And you need to get up and fight. See, you, you need to lead them. And people are dying on the inside. And while we're in church, you know, we're the church and we need to be the bride, the radiant bride of Christ, showing them the way. We need to be the ones going, bad things may happen, but you know what? God is good. I may have experienced a, a loss, but oh, yet will I praise him. So I wanna encourage you this morning, don't give up. The opinions of others, they tried to take John out and, you know, oh, he's got a demon because he doesn't eat and drink. And then Jesus, he ate and drank. And so he's a glutton and a drunkard. You have to understand people, you are never going to please everybody. You're never going to win that. And that's really hard for me because I love, I don't like people to not like me and I like to please people. And that's part of my personality, but I have got to learn that that is not that important because it brings discouragement. You see, John led people to, to salvation and who cares what people think about him? Jesus went to the cross and changed the world. So who cares what people say about him? Because like, you know, you see like, this is where the enemy wants to take you out, the opinion of others. And this is what God is wanting you to do is to be strong in your spine. And I just think sometimes as Christian, we can be so spineless. God wants us to have some conviction and if you believe in him, believe in him. Let's not be wishy-washy going, oh, you know, I go to church. Who cares? The demons come to church too. That does not mean that you are saved. We've got to have conviction in our hearts and we've got to understand that what we're in the fight for. And when we stand before God, we have to understand we don't get to go back. I'm 51 years old. And I was thinking that, you know, really at any moment, my life, you, we're never promised tomorrow, right? And as I was preparing this, I kept thinking, and you have to understand this verse of scripture has been what's propelled me. And it has sometimes when I have wanted to give up, no, Pam, you're going to finish this race. You're going to finish it well. You're not going to give up. And I have to talk to myself about it. But I have to understand even at 51, I don't know how much time I have left. And I want to be able to say like Paul, I have finished the race, I have run it well, and I'm gonna have a crown of righteousness that's never gonna fade away. In church this morning, God wants you to get your fight back. God wants you, to, there's too many people that need you to get your fight back. You need to get it back. So this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed, and I just wanna pray over us this morning I want you to, I want to pray for people today 
who need to get their fight back. You see, you're, you're battle weary. Maybe you've gotten wounded and you've had loss after loss and you love God absolutely. You're just tired. You've gotten complacent and numb, but God is saying, I want you to get your fight back today. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to lift your hand because we're gonna just pray together this morning. Yes, hands going up everywhere this morning. Yep. You know, God sees that this morning. God sees, God sees it. So with all of us, with our hands lifted, I just want us just to, I'm just gonna pray over us this morning. Father, you want us to finish our race well, strong, mighty warriors in the kingdom of God. As no, as the enemy has tried to come, he's tried to steal, he's tried to kill, and he's tried to destroy the plan of God in our life. But we stand up today and we declare you cannot have an inch of our life. You cannot have one little bit of territory that God has promised us today. And this morning, I just believe right now, God, is you're imparting a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Those who are weary, I pray, God, that you would just give them supernatural strength and breathe fresh life in our hearts this morning. And I pray, God, right now for every person that we would understand that we are in a fight and that you want us to Stand up and fight with all that's within us and be what you've called us to be. This morning, if you have not received Christ, I'm not even gonna take long at all, but I want you just to lift your hand and I count to three because we want, it all begins with the journey of, of knowing him. So I'm just gonna count to three. And if you need Christ, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three, just lift your hand high. Okay. There's several of you lifting your hands this morning. There's four of you guys lifting your hands. We're gonna to pray together. Church, would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. I receive you into my life this morning as my Lord and my Savior. I believe in you and I receive you into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.